Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the High Octane Podcast. And today I have a very special guest who's driven more cars than I could, that I've had hot dinners, and he has driven them to the max. He's also got some very cool friends with some amazing cars, and he sells one of the most amazing British brands associated with James Bond and a rich history of being, well, Actually, I'll let him introduce this. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome George. George, please tell us your full name and what you do for a living. Uh, I'm George, George Matthews, and uh, I'm a f- fully fledged <laughs> car enthusiast, as anyone who's met me for five minutes will tell you. And uh, I am a sales executive for Aston Martin Bristol, which is the dealer for the brand in the Southwest. Well, George, just to sort of, you can hear a little bit of the leather on the audio. Um, I, I will say, where, where are we, George, today? This is this is the first time the podcast has not been on Zoom. Um, <laughs> and the first time um, it, it's in a car, but not only a car. George, t- let me know, what is this car? So we're sat in the back of my car, um, which is... Uh, a not n- in a weird way, not in a weird way. No, 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 no. Not about that vibe. No, no, it's, this is, um, this is uh, my sort of weekend smoke, which is a 1986 Rolls-Royce Silver Spirit. And I'm not going to lie, uh, George has been sort of showing me some of the, the features of it. And the wood on the sort of top of the doors, the chrome. And um, wh- what were you saying about the sort of... There, there was it's a... just baller. Like back back then, like <laughs> they, they, they didn't mess around. They made cars like to last. Like even I was just pointing out to Louis, like the, even the cigar lighter and the ashtray in the back is like solid chromed steel, and it's like everything's really heavy. And it's, you know, it is uh, amazing. It is amazing. Um, and George, what other cars have you got? Have you got you've got this, and you've got I've got a company car. So uh, we're part of the. The, my employer is part of the Dick Lovett group, so we get BMWs from Dick Lovett. So at the moment, I've got a M240i, and then in the uh, garage there in front of us, I've got a 2006 Ferrari F430, which is my sort of weekend sports. Weekend sports, so you've got car, weekend yeah. sports, and weekend smoke. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's 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 very good uh, that you've got the sort of both of maybe you know the cruiser that you can you know turn up and you know it's a very gen you know gentleman's you know proper car and then you've got the fry which is a bit of a you know a sporty look at me sort of thing but that's cool we love that we love that now george my first question is how did you get into selling cars purely by accident um i always wanted to become a car salesman um because i grew up watching uh well reading top marks magazine which i don't know if a lot of your listeners will be clued up if they're like significantly younger than i am but back in the days before i had like internet we had like a magazine that's published every 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 month or every quarter. It's called Top Marks, and it was like a it was like a like a Lux Auto Trader, and they had like the dealers like Tom Hartley, William Lochran, HRO, and Dick Lovett was in there. You know all these all these big car dealerships, and um, they used to list all their stock. I was just fascinated equally by not just the cars, but like what they sold for, how values changed, what what colours they came in, the spec that came with them. And I always thought I'd love to work for that as a living, but I always thought it was like a distant sort of thing. And um, and how how old were you when the, you were reading Top Marks? How, what sort of age? Ten. Really? Ten. So or that was that was early days. Yeah, then. really early. Wow. Because yeah. my dad used to sell, buy and sell cars on the side, um, so we'd always have like Mercs and Jags and and things on the drive that he'd buy and sell um, on the side of his main job. 
and um, so I was, they're always lying around the house these Top Marks magazines are also trailers <laughs> oh, amazing. so I just used to just read them and I, it got me really enthused about it but I never thought I'd actually do it Yeah. Um, so the, how I got into it was by accident so I was meeting a friend of mine Harry in London because he, he was in London and I was in Oxford and um, he, I got into Oxford and he texted me to say oh, he's running really late so he's going to be delayed getting yeah. a train into the middle, middle of London and obviously I came from Oxford I used to get the Oxford Tube which I could coach it's like well cheap like, <laughs> if you wanted Amazing. to go yeah. to London yeah. on, a, on a budget Oxford Tube's the way to go <laughs> and um, it dropped me off the Oxford Tube drops you off in Park Lane Okay. and I thought wow I've got like a couple of hours at least to kill and as I got off the bus um, right opposite me was the window for Aston Martin Park Lane or Aston Martin Mayfair as it's known and they had the new this is 2014 so they had the new Rapid S in there it only been, it'd been out for only about a couple of years or 18 months at that point and they had the V12 Vantage S in there and I hadn't seen them before so I just popped in to have a look I, look, I had a look at the cars and this guy came out a guy called David and he's, he's still the sales manager there and he was just chatting to me and I don't know he, we, we got like a bit of a rapport he knew I was really into cars and um, long story short he just sort of said we got a, a sales trainee role if you wanted to get into this trade wow and I didn't take it too seriously because I thought he was just being nice yeah and I got an email followed up um, from the dealer principal there, Nick. And the next thing I knew, I was no on a bus way. going back into London for an interview. And I was offered oh the role. Oh, my God. And I was like, it, I was totally was unprepared for it. And I commuted from Oxford to London every day for about two and a half years. That I worked in London. Egg. So I sold Aston Martins in London. as sort of, Well, I say it was a sale. I was like a sales assistant. So I worked with a team. Um, it was me, David, uh, Bradley, and Nick, and we worked as a team. And and there was and Nick was sort of the dealer principal, and then uh, David and Bradley was was sort of the sales execs. And I yeah. sort of like would qualify the customers. Oh, um, okay. So you're the first, talk, point of call, yeah, first point. Yeah, first point. First point of call. So I yeah. talk to them, course, work out what they wanted, do configurations with them, work out. Uh, do, appraise their trade-ins what their current cars were yeah. and if it was going somewhere if there was traction in the conversation I'd introduce Brad or David as a salesperson to say this right. guy wants to buy a car and then if they actually bought a car I'd get a cut, of, cut bit of commission oh wow excellent so, so it kind of worked really well I did yeah, that yeah. for two years um, and that's sort of how I got started in motor trade straight in Aston Martin Mayfair you know <laughs> yeah you, you didn't work your way up you didn't start at maybe Datcher or no, something like that no, no you worked my way up I started at Halfords <laughs> this is actually my next question this was genuinely my next question because um, I've known you for a few years George and the whole sort of how, where you are now with you know for example I, I'm sort of uh, part time in the motor trade as well and any time I get to drive a cool car if I ever put it on Facebook uh, they're usually the second or third comment or maybe even sometimes the first is George sending me the same photo of the car he drove identical and um, I think it was GT4 when when I was so excited and it was the first Porsche GT product and then um, I think uh, you drove what was it the ceramics one it had what GT4 GT4 Porsche. yeah yeah I drove it back up about three or four years ago I drove <laughs> exactly. a um, so you drove... still, still rate I've driven a lot of Porsches yeah. I think the Cayman GT4 is probably still yeah well, we'll, we'll come on to Porsches later on but yeah. uh, so let's get to that next question which is what was your first job now you've just you've just hinted at it but just and also you did meet some quite cool people at your first job as well um, yeah because where were you based so please tell us what was your first job uh, first job I worked at Halfords 
And what what were you were you doing like batteries? So or, yeah. um, I kind of rolled into that because I left school. I kind of quit halfway through sixth form because um, it, it wasn't working for me. I think Fair it works for a lot of people. It wasn't working for me. Um, and I just wanted to earn some money. <laughs> I, just wanted, I just wanted some, some cash. You wanted so, some cars. You wanted, so I you kind know. of dossed around for like a year, like playing in bands and doing odd jobs and things like that. And then I thought my first gainful employment was Halfords at the age of 17. Right, okay. Um, and that was on Botley Road. It's actually not there anymore. It's now it's now Marks and Spencers, I think. Or no, it's Waitrose. It's a Waitrose. It's a Waitrose now, <laughs> but it was on Botley Road in Oxford. Um, and that was my first job. And I worked there from, yeah, well, about two years. Just oh, over wow. two years I worked there. £4.81 an hour was Ooh, my good starting wage when I started. Good it Lord. did go up. went up to £5.85. Um, no, you weren't retiring in the Maldives then? Or nah, after long, then? long way off. <laughs> long know. way off. Oh, my goodness. Well, so uh, did you enjoy that first job? Did you sort yeah. of... Because I remember you mentioning that you met a certain Harry... Was it Harry Metcalf that you yeah, met? Yeah, Harry Metcalf used to come in. Because um, Harry Metcalf, I think, lives just outside Oxford. And he came in, he bought a battery for, I can't remember what car it was, it could have been, it was something, something juicy, it could have even been the Zonda, he had a Pagani Zonda at the time. Um, but he came in to buy a battery, and it was, based because I knew all the product codes, I knew it was a battery for Ford Transit. <laughs> and I said, you got a Transit? He went, no, this is actually for, I can't remember what it was, I think it was, it was, something, like a, I think it was something juicy, like a Ferrari, or an old Ferrari, yeah. or like a, a Zonda or something. <laughs> but yeah, Harry Metcalf used to come in, and all sorts of cool people used to come in and stuff, but um, no, it taught me a lot, that job, I mean... It's easy to poo-poo your, your old jobs yeah, and always, stuff, but always. it teaches a lot about... Your first job teaches you a lot about the world and how to deal with people, bosses, customers, colleagues. You know, it teaches you a lot. And what was your first car then? So now we've had your first job. What was your first car? My first car went in deep. Um, go on. So I went for... Most people go for like a, a one-litre front-engine, front-wheel drive. Always, yeah. I went for rear-wheel drive, mid-engine... <laughs> Um, was this the MR2? The MR2. The yeah. MR2. So okay. I, I got to myself a bank loan of uh, three grand, and that paid for the car and the insurance because the car was fifteen hundred quid, and the insurance was fifteen hundred quid for the year. <laughs> and it was a it was a two thousand W Reg Toyota MR2 one point eight black leather seats, and I just thought it was I thought I'd made it. That's it the was, dog's nut. Yeah, the dog's two dogs. That's the first car. Was it, yeah. I was whipping round, and that was just. <laughs> Oh, just the dream. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you didn't want to go for a Ferrari body kit on it while, while you were there. <laughs> Do you know, I've never been into modifying cars. I've really? never, ever modified any car I've ever owned. No, no like, tinted windows no. or anything like that? I mean, that? On, the, on the Ferrari, I've pulled the valves on the exhaust so it's open all the time. But, but I would hardly call that mod. No, that's <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Your insurance company would not going to get like, a oh, yeah. credit roll in Fast and Furious for that one. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not you know at one quarter mile at a time with a valve open, is it? Is it? <laughs> um, but there we go. So um, your your first car was because uh, I I know you know this is peculiar because I've I've known you for a few years, George, but the fact of that you've got all your cars on your fridge and I love that because yeah. I've questioned it so so you went from an MR2 to what was it uh, then I had a Volkswagen Schrocco great uh, car um, really TSI nice car. one so it's was, it was supercharged and turbocharged and I just thought it was so complicated for like the sake of it like it, it, it always went wrong oh, the really? engine blew up on me twice so <laughs> I bought it within a month of buying it it blew up no um, it, at Volkswagen then rebuilt rebuilt the engine under warranty it yeah. blew up again <laughs> um, and yeah it was, just, it was just a nightmare that car um, flipping egg it looked That's... good it looked good it went really well it was only 1.4 but it had I think it was like 190 brake horsepower or 185 brake horsepower because yeah, yeah. it was quite quite punchy manual and it looked, looked, looked cool and did everything I needed it to do but 
Um, yeah, it's quite unreliable. No. <laughs> Which That's is coming from Italian car, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and a Rolls Royce owner as yeah. well. You know, yeah. that is uh, those two cars. That um, let's be honest, that uh, Sirocco. I know Volkswagen at the moment, for example. I, I drove the new T6, and I know you've never driven a van before. Um, I still need to do that. You still, still, you still need to drive a van. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I was driving this new T6.1. Um, it's on a 71 plate. It's really sort of everything on it and everything. But um, the infotainment system kept crashing and stuff like that. And I was thinking that this whole sort of world that, you know, as a, an Italian car enthusiast, that we get a lot, you know, and, and I'm sure you do too, about how it will break down and how it isn't built very well. Um, and... You know, even from a bath owner, it's one of those sort of things that, yes, the steering wheel's off to the side of it, the seat is in a wrong position, your pedals are too far away, your steering wheel's too... It's But that's what sort of creates a really nice sort of feel about it because it's different, it's a bit noisy and stuff like that. With a Volkswagen, you're expecting a level of reliability, a level of, you know, oh, it's got to be German and done well. But actually, <laughs> the more you drive certain products with the new haptics and you're going, what is going on? Why are we going backwards? Um, but no, so that's an interesting one about your Sirocco then. It blew well up on you. Yeah, twice. it wasn't a great experience. No. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Okay, next one. What is your best car memory? I've got a lot of memories with cars. Oh, what do you mean, like a dr- car I've driven or just like something from my childhood or a car that's made me feel a certain way or an event? or? So you can... I, I, I know you've got a few stories, so you can do two. But also I want to move on to in Italy, in the Fiat 500, in the Italian hills. I want that story to come out. That is a good story. But I would love you just to say an honest that you've driven a car that you weren't expecting to drive or you were you were um uh, you were driving one of the cars maybe at work or something like that um that has made you feel wow well, I've, what I've, a car yeah I mean, i've driven some cool cars um i think in terms of like actually a great day i i rented a a Ferrari four five eight Speciale in Italy, which the video is on YouTube. So. Yeah, crap video. It's like the, it's like the, the GoPro that the, the, the rental company put in the car, and um, that was because it was like a really hot day. It was like June in Italy, and it was just like windows are down. The car was awesome. The roads were empty. That was pretty cool. But um, in terms of like a memory, like um, I can tell you, the most powerful car memory for me. Go on. So um, when I was sixteen. So just before my 16th birthday, my mum said to me, what do you want to do for your 16th birthday? And um, I, I, all I knew, from what, reading these aforementioned Top Marks magazines, yeah. was there was a dealership in Swindon called Dick Lovett Ferrari. Which, and this was... This the was, original one? This, yeah, the original one. So yeah, this yeah. is 2008. Um, just coming into... Because I was born in January. So this is coming into 2009. And she said, where do you want to go in January? I said, I just want to go there. Because it's about an hour and hour and a half drive yeah. from Oxford, I think, or an hour drive or something. And um, we went there, and that was where I went for my sixteenth sixteenth birthday. I remember it clear as day. You walked in there, an Enzo. <laughs> as soon as you walked in there, a Ferrari Enzo. This is now. This is not the Dick Lovett Ferrari that's here today. They got a new showroom they built in I think 20, 2011, 2012. This is the old showroom. It's a kitchen. It's a kitchen. I think it's a kitchen store. warehouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, there, but it's, yeah. Yeah, this beautiful glass building, and it's like near the outlet centre in Swindon. And um, we went really. in there, and they had the Enzo there. They had like, it was the F430, it was the brand new Ferrari at the time. That was the current model. So it's like F430s and 612s and 599s in the showroom. And at the back, they had like a BMW Z8, a Mercialago, um, 
an Alfa Romeo 8C, Porsche Carrera GT. It's all these cars you'd never thought Lucky. you'd never thought your 15 year old yeah, self yeah, would yeah. see. Yeah. And I was just in one like, place, under I was one like, roof. you know, I was buzzing. I was walking around taking pictures of them because I had a YouTube channel back then as a kid as well. So I was 15, Which was 16. a very, it did go well, you and you. That's, oh, well, that's another that's story. We'll go on another story. story. That's another podcast. <laughs> but like, um, no, I was like, I was, uh, I was walking around taking pictures and I was just like made. And I was like, what a great day. And the sales manager came out, a lovely guy called Alan. Alan Pierce was his name. And he was the sales manager. And um, as we were leaving, um, he gave me a key ring, like a Ferrari Maserati key ring. Wow. Which still got. Um, and. Uh, he he said, um, "Oh, we'll just wait there five minutes, and I'll be right back." And I think, "Oh, what's he doing?" And he he yeah had like an oval sort of driveway. This dealership, I remember um, it was a drive-in driver. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And they had like a canopy, and he just swept in. I saw this, this this car sweep in, making a bit of a racket, right out of the front doors. And to this day, I remember it. It was a Grigio Titanio, which is like a dark silver. Yeah. yeah. Ferrari F430. Oh. With. Rosso Bordeaux interior, no, so which that's is like a dark, dark red, yeah, yeah, yeah. dark red leather, dark red carpets. Oh and he got God. out and he was like, "Do you want to go for a spin?" No. And he, he took me out, and I'd never been in a in a fast car or a supercar in my life. And he took me out in this F430 manual for right. my sixteenth birthday, and he just took me just up, not not far, like fifteen. Because the dual minutes. carriageway is right next to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, took yeah. me for a couple of a couple of roundabouts in the dual carriageway at some lick in this F430, and it was just everything I always thought a Ferrari would be. Right. You sit low down in it. The yeah. Click clack of the gears as you change. You look over your shoulders. The glass partition window and the engines like right there. You can hear it, and um, he brought me back. That's that memory stayed with me. It still stays with me. And that's wow. why. And is that why? And that's F430 why is so I special. now own an F430 manual. Wow. Yeah. Flip. I had no idea. What's, I had what's even no more idea. scary is that the car that I own now is a Rosso Corsa with Crema F430 manual. So not, it's not the ideal. It's the for, classic. It's the classic. Yeah, yeah. And when I bought it, I remember going through the service books, and it, ha- it has like it was delivered new by Graypool Ferrari in um, Nottingham. That's where it came from, new. Okay. But ever since its first service, every subsequent service has been at Dick Lovett Ferrari. Really? So it spent its whole life at Dick Lovett Ferrari in Swindon. Wow. And um, I was going back through some old photos about two years ago. Um, and I saw a picture of my car in my spec. And I cross-referenced it. And that car was no. there. And as a kid, I photographed and put that car on my YouTube channel when I was a kid. And I now own that car. How mad is that? Flipping heck. <laughs> George. That, but this, this is that... It's that world of these cars that are on a different level. Yeah. That they, they are... It's a small world in the motor trade and the world of cars. Mm. And the fact of that you videoed it on your... And now you... That's just mind-blowing. My God. My God. So so going back to your... Be- so that is your best car. That's my that- most poignant car memory. Oh, wow. I've had... I've always got old memories of cars. Like the cars my dad used to own and stuff. But... That um, being lot- taken around Swindon, which let's be honest, with the greatest world in the world, isn't Ferrari country. No, it's not. Okay. Like, <laughs> I've had a million better drives since. But, but the impression it had on me, at fifteen years old, it's sort of like wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was, that is it amazing. Was, it was and um, so, wow. Okay, so this is leading on to my next question, which is: if you had twenty-four hours to live and could only drive one car before the end of the world. What car and where would you drive it? Um, if I could only drive one car, um, it would have to be the greatest of all time. 
Which is McLaren F1. Okay, okay, um, yeah. Because it's unobtainium, isn't it? You, you yeah, should, yeah. Even if, even if you put a post on social media saying, I'll pay anyone a six-figure sum to have a go in F1, probably no one's going to let you. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I'd, I'd think, uh, where would I drive it? Um, somewhere open? Where you could, where you could, not the Nurburgring then. No, no. <laughs> Somewhere you could relax and not necessarily drive the drive the wheels off of it, just but just enjoy it. Um, so Evo Triangle in yeah, Welsh Hills, or, or somewhere like Napoleon Route Napoleon in South France. Yeah, or just somewhere really open. You know, even like Cirque du South. Okay. Like, yeah. um, oh really? You do okay. Like Le Mans because it's yeah. just so open, and and of course the McLaren one has a Le Mans history. Yeah, so, but would you not fancy going the GTR then? It'd have to be the road car, because that's the car I fell in love with as a kid. Really? Okay, and so that that sort of brings me nicely onto that question. So, uh, sort of another question for you. So, with that F1, do you see that car as best car of all time? Nothing's got close since. Yeah, um, just because the McLaren F1 was conceived as, as a single man's vision, and very few cars are conceived that way. Mm. Any car, no matter how good it is, some of my other favourite cars, you know, and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Aston Martins, they're built by companies. Yeah. Um, companies have, these days, companies have board members, <laughs> companies have budgets. And McLaren F1 was built as like a one man's vision project that uh, money wasn't really an object. Um, and it was just developed to be the best car it could be. Mm. And um, I could talk about McLaren F1 for hours. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, I just love it for so that reason. What do you think of the T50 then? What do you think of the, the the new Gordon Murray vision then? It's I, I like it a lot. I like because okay. I like Gordon Murray. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't like Gordon Murray, but That's, I like yeah. I like Gordon, you can see why. But I I really like Gordon Murray yeah, yeah. just because um, I think he's um, he's he's uh, he's an engineer, isn't he? He's a designer, he is. and that comes first before anything else. Before all the flair and sometimes personality, a lot of people hide behind. Yeah. Um, and I like him for that reason and um, so I like that he's done this project I like the T50 and even more I actually quite like the T33 the quote unquote compromised one yes which, which I've is, seen the stats and because I quite like that car because the, the, the McLaren F1's the McLaren F1 mm. and and this might be a better McLaren F1 but it's, it will never be a McLaren F1 yeah, I don't really true. like the look of it I don't, I don't really like the fan car element I get, I'll get why he's done it but for me I just, I just don't get I don't really like it. Um, so for me, a car's going to make you feel awesome just looking at it as well as driving it. Yeah. And the fan car just looks a bit disproportionate for me. Um, but that's my opinion. No, no, and, that's um, it. Every... I, again, yeah. way, I haven't seen one in the flesh yet. Okay. So I'll probably, I... build, I'll probably change my opinion when I see one in the flesh. The, the only thing, when I, I, I was at um, Goodwood members meeting last year and I saw and heard one for the first time and 13,000 revs or is it 11 I think it's 11 it's, it's, it's yeah. mega revs that's it's, all I know yeah. and, and there's this video of um, of uh, the I've forgotten his name uh, it's Franchetti who was driving Fran- yeah, 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 yeah Dario, yeah. And, Dario and, um, yeah. he's driving it around Goodwood for the uh, and that was the members meeting that yeah, was that, it that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, the sound the video of that because he's like his eyes are wired you know you can tell he's concentrating on it it's, it, it sounds mad and I've got some video that I genuinely thought God, that sounds like an F1 car back in the day, you know? Like the Michael Schumacher era that would whine past. And I was thinking, hang on a minute, if Gordon Murray can get these out as a race car, that would be... Now, that would be a a, a series I would watch. The hero... It'd be That's amazing. why the T33, because it's, it's a bit more calm looking, because it hasn't got the fan car on yeah. it. 
It's more road car looking. Yes, true. Um, but it's still got the very small proportions, isn't it? It's tiny. It's about the same size as a Porsche Boxster. See, that's just bonkers. If not smaller. But um, but it has that engine in the manual gearbox. Yeah. Um, Which everybody... And speaking of sort of uh, Boxsters... Not Boxsters, but Porsches. Now, you've owned a Porsche 911... Which I I you know I've never I've never been a fan of a Porsche 911. I know it sounds that sounds sacrilege. Um, however, I when when I saw because you had it for how long and which one was it? I can't remember now. So I had a 1999 996 Carrera three three point four. So it was the very sounded first. Sounded amazing though. Yeah, because it was just it just sounded it's flat six. Um, it was the very first iteration of the 996, so it was the most unloved Porsche. Ever. But this is this is it. This was. But I loved I it. A... I, I loved it because my favorite film when I was a kid was Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay. And that opening scene where it's on the it's on the it's on the, the turntable in the showroom, and then and Giovanni Ribisi goes in it and, and nicks it, and they drive it through the glass, and he's racing it back to the to the to the warehouse. And the sound of it, I was like, oh, that's my favorite. Even though that, that car had loads of cool film. That film had loads of cool cars in it. <laughs> yeah. That was always a favourite car in the film. Oh, so I always wow. kind of loved it as a kid, so I thought, oh, I had to have one of those. And you're right, like, I'm not a huge 911 fan. Like, I, I, I don't lust after 911s like a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but I had to own that particular car. And I will say, I do, I do, I don't regret selling it because I, you know, I, I once sold it for other things, but um, I do miss it. Because it's such a usable car, like you just get it any time of day, any time of year, and just park it anywhere. Oh, park it anywhere and Whereas, sort of do the shopping. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could just, you could just quite anonymous. Yeah, it's just a silver German car, but it was just it was just really light, narrow. It had cable throttle pedal. It had oh, wow. no driver assists. It felt very organic, and very um, and rare these days as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it it didn't have all the electronic gubbins that later cars had. Mm. So. Wow. Yeah, I missed that element of it. Now, moving on to that, I, I need to ask, can you tell the story of what happened in the Italian hills in a Fiat 500? So there was uh, some, some cool stuff happened in, in the modern region of Italy in September 2019. <laughs> not a lot of it I can divulge on, on a... On a oh, on you're a, not allowed? Oh, no, okay, but, okay. but what I can say, um, I was invited out kindly by Dick Lovett, to um, see the new Ferrari 812 GTS and the Ferrari F8 Spider launch. In was SP2 already out at that point? Yes, well, okay. the, because they both had them there. So right. It was like a, a, a Ferrari factory trip, basically. And I went with a friend of mine called Lionel, um, and he's got some cool cars. And um, he sort of suggested while we're out there to visit a friend of his. And I was like, yeah, of course we can, you know, because we were out there for two days and we thought, yeah, we, yeah. we could make a cool trip of it. So he went to the Ferrari factory, we... Um, had dinner at Fiorano Circuit and we saw the launch of the two new cars and they had wow. 250 GTOs and Formula 1 cars there it was amazing Universo Ferrari they call it it's a great great trip and then after that um, we uh, <laughs> we went for a night out and uh, in Modena town and Lionel said oh, I'm going to meet a mate of mine and his mate of his turned out to be the UK director or the UK sales director for um, Pagani. Was that Francis? Francis Faulkner. Faulkner, yeah, yeah. I actually knew Francis Faulkner. That's a whole other story. <laughs> he, he tipped me out in a McLaren SLR about about seven years ago um, when he worked for McLaren MSO. Like before, oh before it was MSO. Before they built the 12 Cs and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, but um, anyway, that's another story. But So Francis now works for Pagani UK. And um, we're out there at the Pagani... At that at this nightclub in Modena, 
and we sat down and then we joined this other group of people which was Horacio Pagani's son uh, Leo who's, who heads up basically the operations for Pagani right at uh, the factory and he said oh you guys have got to come to the factory in the morning I was like this is this is turning out to be quite a cool trip yeah. <laughs> and um, we we get home well we get back to the hotel at like three or four o'clock in the morning and um, the next day we drive up to the Pagani factory and um, I might add like me and Lionel thought we're going to rent a car because it's cheaper than taxis yeah. he's rented the cheapest shittest car we could find which was this Fiat 500 <laughs> like the Bogo standard model I think they call it a lounge or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no and it's the pop mate the lounge is quite the, uh, pop. It's the pop the pop <laughs> I don't know I'm not picking up but, but we got there at, the car I rented it was it's last rental day because it was covered in golf ball no someone had parked it overnight outside a golf driving range <laughs> and every panel was like rippled with golf ball dents and oh, even the rental company because I, I brought their attention I said do you realise this car's like completely hanging <laughs> And they said, "Oh yeah, don't worry. Like it's its last day on on, on our on our books, so it, it's going off fleet when you bring it back." I'm like, "If that's ever an excuse to wreck the shit out of it, like yeah, 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 fastest absolutely. car in the world is a rental car." Yeah, always. So anyway, absolutely. So we're driving this Fiat 500, nothing special, but we're driving this 500 up to the Pagani factory. And we we had a cool factory tour, and um, so, so some cool stuff happened there. But um, we basically. Uh, Leo sort of said to us, like, what else do you guys want to do? Like, whilst you're in Modena, like, do you want to... We're going out for lunch. He said, we can go to Ducati or we can go to Ferrari. He's like, we've just been to Ferrari yesterday. And uh, we went to the Lamborghini factory. And um, there was a a cool situation, which I won't go into too much detail about, where we're all in this Fiat 500. um, And uh, we're driving to Sant'Agata Bolognese, which is the Lamborghini factory, which is about... 35 minutes away from Pagani wow and um, there's a there was a new Lamborghini which hadn't been released yet in the camo and they're testing it and um, I was being egged on to try and keep up with it no by any means in this <laughs> and I was thinking well he's got uh, 10 or 12 cylinders <laughs> <laughs> I've got this 1.2 litre like pop, last mate. end of the line it was line. a pop it was yeah. a pop right? end of the line yeah, yeah. Hand, but that, that was like one of those surreal experiences but, oh wow wow but, yeah, and so you've travelled a lot with cars is the sort of that Italian trip up there is the best oh yeah I would do it every year the only reason I didn't do it in 2020 was because of Covid and last year again it was just a nightmare of travelling at the moment so and Italy as... weren't very helpful with their level of you know, well, not, you know to be fair they COVID got, they got stop hit is, the hardest they did um, and they were the, it was the start wasn't it so, and it was that yeah. region it was that northern Italian region that got really hit by it that's another topic but but like um, as soon as things open up again it looks like they are I'm, I'm hoping maybe even this year go back Modena is just magical I need to go I haven't gone yet uh, Modena Old to Town go. Maranello Sant'Agata Bolognese I, I've I, to be honest with you I want to do Monza and then spend seven days around the top of the northern Italy area with Modena and sort of do all that sort of stuff because I feel um, it's great I've done it I've done it three times and you'd go again every I'll go every year Really? It was awesome. Like walking around Maranello was just magical. Um, is it all the history of previous F1 they name drivers? All, they name all the streets. They, all the streets are named like Ascari and um, Schumacher and really and uh, Prost. All the all the streets are named after racing drivers from Ferrari. Wow. Um, and uh, everything's Ferrari related. All the cafes, because of course the the two big names of that part of Italy is Pavarotti, because he was he was from Modena. Really? Yeah. Um, so every every cafe, restaurant, bar, hotel, 
fuel station you go to, there's a framed gilded picture of Enzo Ferrari and a framed gilded picture of Pavarotti. No! In every single building. Without <laughs> fail. Um, and it's just, it gets a very magical sense there. Wow. All the little model shops and memorabilia shops and it's just a magical place to be and the weather's wow. great and yeah, it's just a fantastic place. And Pagani, so you got went to the factory. Yeah, that was my second time to Pagani. So I've been to the Pagani factory twice and that is... That's Did you go some... to the original one or have you no, gone to this? No, I went to the Pagani factory not after they opened the new one. Right. So I went in 2018 and 2019. Oh, wow. Um, and did you see... Because they've got some serious cars obviously under wraps that because you know, they're still making the Zonda even now. That's it. They, they're the final Zonda. Yeah, yeah, we're, the fi- we're at the 50th final yeah. Zonda, I swear. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh, last time I was at the factory they were building the Zonda... Um, Barquetta, I think it was. Wow. No, the so first trip I went, they were building the Zonda Barquetta. Was that the seven million Second pound? trip I went, they were building the Zonda... I can't remember the Zonda they were building. It was some sort of long, sort of... Like an crazy, LM. Yeah, like yeah. a Zonda. I don't know what it was, but some sort of crazy Zonda 760-something. But, um, yeah, they, they built some amazing cars, but they only build, like, four or five at a time, tops, and, like, yeah. the detail that goes into them. Uh, like, ten-year waiting list to get a build. You've got, this is the new Pagani... Which I've seen is unreal, and that gets announced. They're announcing that I think at Geneva, not Geneva, Goodwood, this, this year. year. This year. Oh wow! Um, and it's like the new. It's, it's going to be turbo here, a hybrid. Well, or... I can't. I've, oh yeah. Okay. NDA, so I, I can't say much about it, but it's no like way. the new Pagani basically takes a lot more from Zonda than it does Wyra, so it's really, oh, really excellent. Because cool. I, I think. Don't get me wrong, the wire is a beautiful car, the carbon fiber work, but it never worked for me. I never got excited about it. But when I, you know, I've lucky enough to see plenty of Zondas now during all these car events, and I even saw one in Monaco, not Lewis Hamilton, sadly, um, which is now, I think, sold and gone elsewhere. Um, But I think the, the sort of the theatre of looking through that small cockpit that you've got a you know I, I haven't seen an auto I saw all manual sort of Zondas and to think yeah how engaging a V12 a 6.5 litre V12 from Strava a, a 7.3 wasn't it 7.3 sorry, sorry, 7. the first Zondas I think were 6 litre V12 were they okay and then they went to the a, C12 or a, 6 or 7 litre and then they went to a 7.3 like in the first year of production because Zondas came out in 99 yeah. Um, and I remember, again, when I was a kid, like filming cars for YouTube, and I was like sort of 14, 15, 16 years old. Zondas were like 200 grand, 300 grand. My goodness. Um, <laughs> and they had them in Cheltenham. There's a there's a Zonda dealer, Pagani dealer in Cheltenham. There's a Pagani dealer, um, uh, and the salesman there was called Tommy, and he now owns Super Futura. He's the director of Super Futura. Now. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he, Down he's in, done um, really well. But, sorry, um, Yeah. But uh, back then he was the salesman for Koenigsegg and Pagani when they were dealer. And wow. he used to, I used to go there with my brother and my dad and stuff and go to the cars. He used to let me sit in and out of them because they were, they were expensive cars. Don't get me wrong, they're 200, 250 yeah, grand, 300 grand. But they weren't like crazy valuable like they are now. Flippy. Yeah, because so now it would be roped off and exactly, you know, yeah. fenced off. Yeah. So I used to sit in loads of Zonda S's, Zonda F's, all sorts of stuff. My um, goodness. And I recently sat in a Zonda uh, end of last year. I was at a track day at Goodwood and Andy Bruce was there with his Zonda. Yeah, so he's got a he's, red he's Zonda an F, F, yeah. F, yeah. And um, he was just like cooling it, like on a on like a cool down, like letting it idle in the in the pits. Uh, and um, I was chatting to him, and he let me jump in it. And it was the first time I'd sat in a Zonda for a couple of years. 
and it's just amazing. But the, the it's just it's yeah, minimal, it's just, but it's busy at the same yeah. time. But it's, it's extremely it's Italian. detailed. It's the, the, Italian. The, um, <laughs> the binnacle, the the digital readouts. Not sorry, the the analog readouts and the dials are etched glass. So there's no oh, there's no real. I didn't know they were etched glass. It's like a piece of glass and it's etched with the numbers, and then the the dial wow. the, and the the, the dial um, sort of moves inside it. So it's really hard to read. Like it's really impractical, but it looks. Really, really. Oh awesome. my god! I, I had no idea. And the starter button—you put the clutch in, you turn the key in the middle, and the starter button's inside the gear stick. So you push the oh, top of the wow. gear stick in, and it sort of starts up. Unbelievable! Um, wow. The clutch is like insanely heavy, like uh, really heavy, surprisingly heavy actually. The clutch really? is under. Yeah. Well, that this is this is why I wanted you on the podcast George because they, these are the sort of things that you sat in amazing cast and let's just go on to YouTube now because um, you know you, you've you got some very influential YouTube friends George let's yeah. be honest um, so you started YouTube you were filming cars in London yeah so um, I, I basically filmed cars because I just liked having a record of things and okay. I got a digital camera for my 15th birthday so this is 2008. Yeah. And um, I just thought... I was taking pictures, but there wasn't really any real platforms to share right. pictures on. Okay. But there was YouTube. So I used to do minute-long videos or two-minute videos. I used to start at the front of the car, walk around it, go inside the passenger side, the driver's side, seats, dash, and then go back to the front of the car and stop. And I used to film, like, dealership's inventory or stock, stock list. So I used to go to, like, Aston Martin Mayfair... Jack Barkley, Bentley. Yeah. Um, I used to go to... Square. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, Broughton's, but before it was HRO and in Cheltenham when they had the Pagani, wow. Koenigsegg. I used to go to um, classic car dealerships and the Cotswolds and stuff and just film cars. And um, I had a bit of a following. I think at one stage I was one of the most subscribed. How many subs was it? I think at one point I had 4,500 to 5,000 subscribers. Flip it out. But this is an early day YouTube. Early yeah, days early, YouTube. early days of YouTube. This is 2008. Flipping out. Um, so pre-shmi. <laughs> pre-shmi. This is, yeah. cause this is my next This is my next thing. Because you've been to Schmuse... I can't say it. Schmuseum. See, I knew Tim through Piston Heads before he had YouTube. How did, so how did you know that? How did you get to know him then? Um, so he was on Piston Heads and... Shmi used to basically again he used to only film stuff on his YouTube channel to have to save as a URL to share on the, on the forums on Piston Heads as to what he'd seen um, so I knew Shmi 150 on Piston Heads and then um, we used to go to London I used to meet up with him in London and film cars together and then I basically didn't have time for it anymore I was kind of like because you were working I, was, I got a job yeah. and I was playing in bands and stuff and I was like I didn't have time to like do YouTube and then he started a YouTube channel in 2009, which is the year that I, I gave it up in 2010. So just as he started it, I stopped. And then I remember. we've kept in touch ever since, basically. So I've sold him a couple of cars. Um, I specced and I specced his GT8 with him and I handed that over at the factory. Um, well, me and David did. That was fantastic. And then I sold him a Vanquish as well. Uh, but we've kept in touch and we always wow. felt we were messaging each other um, last week. So wow, we're always in touch. That's amazing. That is, yeah. amazing. and it's sort of going back to sort of the Shmi world that I remember when he was, at, you know, a couple of thousand followers on Instagram, and he had that purple. You know, I remember when it was eighty-seven TB, and the videos were not as they are now. Yeah. you know that they were very simplistic, and I think 
I remember sort of the early days of that whole world of YouTube that was, oh my goodness me, there's a uh, an Ar- uh, um, a, Katwa- a Qatari um, 722 going around London, or I always remember the baby blue Merchilagos that used to come oh, over yeah, yeah, in yeah. Uh, the summer season. Yeah, 2008, um, 2009. It was, and it was all Abu Dhabi, Qatar. It was, was LP640s, yes. McLaren SLRs, it was um, 509 GTBs in like velvet wraps and... Uh, and can you remember the um, there was a, a velvet wrap Rolls Royce Phantom Coupe? Yeah, that's a bit that later. That was just... like two thousand and eleven or something that used to float around. Because that's the first time I used to go to London, and I always remember that Shmi would always have the car that we would go and try and spot. You know, it would be one of those mm. things that. And it's no, really I used, the I used other to love car spotting back in the day. I used to do it with my friend Harry. I used to meet up in London, meet up with, with Tim sometimes, and and just go around London, like yeah, Mayfair, Knightsbridge, South Kensington. I was I, to be fair, I was more interested in the car dealerships because it was my fantasy to like work in a luxury car dealership. So I was like, I used to like try and make friends with all the salesmen and stuff. And to be fair, there's, there's, there's some really friendly guys out there. There's a guy called Gary who worked at HRO and Ferrari in South Kensington, and um, he loved the fact he used to do videos because he used to send the videos to his customers and be like, I've no got, way, I got this white F430 in or I got this California in, and he'd send the video that I did on YouTube to the customer. If the customer bought the car, he'd send me stuff. No. So he'd give you like Ferrari baseball caps, brochures, cool, 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 cool stuff like that. You know, it's brilliant. So you were the to... original See It Now. Basically. <laughs> you were the original See It Now. <laughs> Basically, you, yeah, yeah. You are, you are. Wow. Oh my goodness. And mate. I did a video of a Bugatti Veyron um, special edition called the Bugatti Veyron Centenaire. So that um, was chrome. It's chrome. On... It was. It wasn't chrome. It's was polished aluminium. Polished aluminium with British racing green. Um, and it was the Sir Malcolm Campbell edition, one of one. I did a video of it, about a three-minute video, all edited of it in the showroom, Jack Barkley, and a guy, I can't remember his first name, but his, his surname was Mr. Morrison, I think his name was James Morrison, or Jim Morrison, um, and he was the salesman at HRM Bugatti, and he basically got in touch and said, we sold the car, um, but the customer liked your video. That bought really? The car. And he gave me tickets to this Bugatti owners club meeting, and he gave me a Bugatti. Is that a Shirley Walsh? No, it's at Prescott, which Prescott, is not far from here. Prescott, Um and um, he gave me a Bugatti Gilet from the factory. No. Really cool, which I still got. It was really, really cool. Oh, my goodness. What? And so, that was towards the end of my YouTube sort of days. That was like 2010. Yeah. My goodness. And so now that is, quite frankly, epic that you were doing those things so early. Um, um, so now moving on, you work at Aston Martin Bristol now. Tell us a bit more about that. The cars you've seen... Because yeah. I know full well fair, that Martin, is a place. Yeah. Aston Martin Bristol isn't so, like any other dealership. I, how I, Aston Martin Bristol was like. So I was, I was working in Mayfair for two years. Then I worked for a year at, at, at another Stratstone dealership called Amersham, and I worked there for about a year in 2016. Now in 2016, whilst I was working there, Dick Lovett Group bought. Well, they they built Aston Martin Bristol from the ground up, and it made a lot of news because it was the biggest Aston Martin dealership in the country. I think it still is. And, yeah, in the um, UK it is. Yeah. And uh, I went to check it out when I was visiting a friend down here in Bristol. And I that was the first time we probably met. Probably the first time you met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember because they had Black GT12 in the showroom. I was oh, like, that was amazing. delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, yeah, that, this place is awesome. And um, we got, I, it got, it was an email circular from Stratstone. And it said, oh, Stratstone are going to be closing a number of their Aston Martin dealerships. They closed like Hagley. They closed... Uh, I think it was one in Newcastle, I can't remember the call, like Houghton the Spring or something. And they're going to close Amersham. And I had the offer to go back to Mayfair and become an exec. Because at, at this point, I was a sales exec. Mm. 
because I had a company car at this point and everything but I had the option to go back to Mayfair but I thought do I want to go back to Mayfair and I do that whole trip in because living in London is expensive and difficult I thought Bristol could work and uh, a friend of mine Bradley was working at Rolls Royce in Bristol at the time and he knew the guys there and he made an introduction and set up a meeting and I had a meeting there and one thing led to another and they offered me a job wow and I've been working at Aston Martin Bristol now for be five years oh my goodness um, be five years very soon um, and um, yeah, it's great because it's a, it's a big showroom so it's, we've got it's massive give you an idea of scale we've got about 40 pre-owned and about 15 new but at the moment getting new cars is so hard it's hard yeah 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 um, because hard. the factory they don't, they don't they don't produce stock so there's no such thing as really Aston Martin stock anymore no I mean years ago like if you walked in and wanted to buy a you know a V8 Vantage or a a Vanquish or a EB11 there was like six or seven cars in stock pick, yeah. pick which, which one do you want yeah, which colour do you want <laughs> yeah, do a bit of a deal on it but yeah. now it's like trying to get we've got one showroom car of each model and we can't really replace it until that car sells so everything's factory order basically wow. um, but anyway my point is is like we've got a lot of cars and you know as, as much as we can Aston Martin Bristol it's built on two floors technically three floors and it's got the best phone number ever as well yeah 007 it, 007, 007 yeah <laughs> then, yeah 0179 which is Bristol and then 007 007 amazing and the address because we built because we own the land and build it from scratch we've got to choose the address so it's called Vantage Point oh it's, it's just a, fantastic isn't it it's on top of a hill you've got a good vista of Filton and stuff so it's called Vantage Point um, and it's I would never want to work anywhere else really because wow because Obviously, I've been working for Aston Martin now for coming up to eight years in total. My goodness, well, your so product knowledge a, is over the... Uh, I've built yeah. a good database <laughs> of people I, 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 I know and love that really like me. And they, you know, I, I sell a lot of cars to repeat customers. And um, yeah, it's just... And with, with Aston Martin Bristol, we've got such good space that we have a varied amount of stock. And, and let's not forget that, you know, Aston Martin Bristol was the only dealership at the time with two Vulcans in the showroom. Yeah. You know, GT12s by the dozen. Yeah, gone through. Zagatos yeah. more than you could wave a stick at. I think at one point we were the number one Zagato dealer just because... Really? The amount of Zagatos we My had at goodness. one point. Because um, it was shooting brakes, um, speedsters. I know, I know HWM sell a lot of, um, set a lot, set a lot of Zagatos. I think they technically are the first. I'm not sure. But um, at one point we had something like 12 Zagato Aston Martins under the, under the roof. And just to clarify for listeners that might not know about uh, Zagato uh, Vanquishes, that the, 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 that car for me is Italian styling, beauty, but also the British level of um, craftsmanship. There's, and right, okay, no jokes please, but you know, um, the, the carbon fibre, the noise, it, it's... Um, I think the personal highlight for me, the the one I would choose, because it was in a shooting brake format, a speedster format, a coupe, a coupe, and a volante, and a volante. Yeah, I personally, I know it's completely ridiculous, but I'd have the speedster because that for me, yeah, the design, the back, the two sort of, um, what, what do you call those? The on the we back? call them the humps, the humps um, on the speedster back. humps. But the uh, we've got a, right now in the showroom, we've got a, a sterling green. Um, Zagato Speedster in the showroom. Have you? Um, I didn't know this. We've had, we've had, come and have a look? <laughs> we've had two Zagato Speedsters uh, so far. We've sold... And they only did one of 28? 28 cars. 28 right. cars. Um, we, we sold... I think we sold six Zagato Shooting Brakes out of the 99 in the world. What? 
we've transacted, I think, four or five Zagato Coupes. Oh, my 99. goodness. We've transacted two V12 Vantage Zagatos. But bear in mind, when, when George is saying out the 99, that is worldwide. Yeah. So when you've got a percentage of We've six, even got a, a DB7 Zagato at the moment as well uh, in the showroom, which is awesome. Aston Martin Racing Green. Oh, wow. Tan. <laughs> it's the ultimate green, green over tan. tan. Yeah, green Mr. Over, green and tan. Mr. Yeah, green yeah. and tan, yeah, absolutely. Every time I spec something green and tan... Um, Do you have to tag it on Instagram over green over tan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Green over tan, that's where it's at. That's where it's yeah, at. absolutely. Yeah, Elliot, I hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> um, but Aston Martin Bristol, if you are in the market of a, an Aston Martin, please be sure to uh, let George know. They've got an amazing sales staff there. Actually, I must shout out Matt because he is one of my neighbours and I would get telling off if he does listen to this. Um, so Matt and George um, and the rest of the staff there are all really helpful. Um, and to be honest with you, I've been going there since I, before I could drive. And I remember cycling up when they had something really cool. And I, I remember... Um, there was a China grey and orange GT12 and the number plate was GT12 van. Oh, it was an awesome car. That, that car's done some done some miles. I think that's done like 9,000, 10,000 miles. What? Now. It's not a lot of miles, really, but, no, but GT12, for a GT12 miles. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember how noisy that was. And I remember that there's a, a local shopping centre to Bristol called the Mall, which is about five-minute drive away from uh, Aston Martin Bristol. And I remember it was a summer's day and I was, I was cycling home and this was way before I could drive, and I heard this noise on the sort of dual carriageway, and I thought, what is that? And then, as I was sort of going past the mall, I was thinking, I need to, I, I can hear where this car's going. And I remember taking the photo and looking at the how um, bare that interior was, how, and it was a sort of a, a light grey, and I thought, yeah, that's how I'd do it. That is we've how I'd a, do it. Um, we've got a GT12 for sale in the showroom at the moment. <clears throat> What's the colour? Uh, Speedway white. Um, and the accents are Kermit Green. Okay. Um, oh, wow, that's It's only done, done no miles, a few hundred miles, not even a thousand miles. Oh, my goodness. Um, and uh, me and Luke took that car out. When was it? I saw, was it the video? I saw yeah. the video. Yeah, There's a video. The video. It's on Facebook or on YouTube uh, on the Dick Lovett page. Um, we took it out for just a couple of hours on some really cool roads to take some cool footage and do a little review of it. And that was one of the best Aston Martin driving sort of like moments I've had was it I've never driven a GT12 until last year wow um, I've driven loads of GT8s but the GT12s are so rare and elusive you never really get to drive them um, and if they are it's usually private owner and I mean sort of elusive side of things that you there's a couple of exceptions though but usually they stay at 300 miles in somebody's garage yeah so we had this car and because that's a green one wasn't there that did you sell? Or who, we, yeah, we sold that. Yeah, we sold. Because I think we've sold three or four GT12s. <laughs> but um, but we we the uh, David's got the green the Lamborghini That's Verde the, Mantis Verde Mantis yeah. green GT12. Yeah, so we sold that. Um, he's still got that, and I've sold David a few cars since. Because he's also got an F1 edition. F1. Um, he's got the James Bond No Time to Die. Wow, DBS. what a collection! Uh, he's got um, he's got loads of cool cars, Ferraris and. My goodness, cool my goodness right well George I'm going to have to wrap this up There's, I feel like there's another podcast in volume 2 yeah. volume 2 coming soon um, and uh, George have you got any if you would like to plug your Instagram now is the time so uh, I've got an Instagram not, not on it too much but it's um, God what is it no, it's I, 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 changed it. It's I changed it it's, have you changed it no it's it, it's 
do you want to check your phone? Can I just check? Yeah, of course. Where's, where's my phone? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I hope you have all enjoyed this. Um, I, I, it's the George life. It's the George life. It's That's, the George life. It's though, the yeah. George life. Yeah. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed this podcast with George. Um, and to be honest with you, I'd really want to get him back on. So, guys, if you want that, please um, let me know. Um, my uh, Insta is Louis Harvey Unique. Or the business page is hoverunique.co. Um, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. George, any final comments? Go. Um, keep listening to the podcast. Excellent. Go. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway, see you Hope next time, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,